Now, when I was growing up, um, uh, we played the game of life. Y'all play the game of life? Um, it, and I think back on that, and I think about what wonderful lessons I learned from that game. Yeah? I mean, you remember that game? You, you, you start out at the beginning, and you could decide to get a career, which was a little bit longer path, right? But you weren't guaranteed that you were going to get that job as a lawyer where you got $50,000 a year instead of that job as a teacher where you were going to get $10,000 a year. Um, and so you had to decide, because there was a bonus for getting to the end first, as I remember. So you had to decide if you want to take that little longer path, or were you going to gamble and go this other way, and, and maybe get a little less money each payday, but get there first, right? Um, and, and so the goal of the game was to get to the end with the most money, uh, but just in case you didn't get to the end with the most money, do you remember what the options were when you got to the end? If you were afraid that somebody else was going to finish with more money than you, you could take everything you had, you could place it on one number, and you could spin the spinner, and if your number came up, uh, you won. Um, if not, you went to the poorhouse where you stayed while you watched everybody else finish the game. Does that sound familiar? And so, you know, so, so what I learned about that was, so if I get a little less money, I need to gamble with it more, so, you know, I need to take a little bit more risk. Um, so that maybe um, I can um, have more money at the end than everybody else. And, and of course, if I got the bigger payday, the goal was to hold on to it and not to spend any of it, right? What wonderful lessons we learned from the game of life. Maybe not. But you know, if we think about it, isn't that often how we live Life? Don't we live life by those rules often if we think about it? We, we get in our mind that all of our security and our happiness is all tied up in how much money that we have or what um, status we get to or how many possessions that we have. Don't we? Um, and so while it was a wonderful game to play, I wonder if it didn't mess up my mind. Um, and maybe it's the whole reason we live in this upside-down world is because of the game of life and Monopoly. Well, maybe not. We probably invented those games because we like to play them, huh? Um, so, so um, but, but you see, if we're not careful, if we live life the way we play the game of life or the game of monopoly, intentionally or unintentionally, we find ourselves shaped in a, and formed in a very convoluted way. And in fact, we create a world which I argue is upside down. It is not the way that God intended it to be. And if you don't believe me, Let's see what Jesus has to say. We're going to take a look at chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Here are these words from Jesus. He's in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount, um, and um, he's, just talked about, um, he's just talked about not having this showy religion, not practicing almsgiving or or prayer, or fasting in such a way that we seek to get the praise of other people. And instead, we seek 
to please and to honor God, that our motives be um, because we love God and God loves us. And so he continues, and he says, Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourself in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them, and where thieves won't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He continues, the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Even then, the light in you, even then, the light in you is darkness. How terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seeds or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it lives today and tomorrow it's thrown in the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May those with ears to hear, hear the word of God and respond this day. Whew! What do we do with that passage? I, I, I can't uh, begin to dig into the depths of it, but, uh, but I can touch upon the surface of it as we hear these words. Uh, now, and as we begin, you know, I, I think it's important for us to get, you know, I don't think Jesus is saying that uh, we just um, stop working or doing anything like that and um, we just pray and God will take care of us and we don't have to make any effort. I don't think that's the point, the overflowing point. I think uh, the point is, where is our desires and where are our longings? What is it that we think is most important? What is it that we think will make our lives successful? 
What is it that we think will bring us happiness and contentment? I think that's really the underlying issue that Jesus is trying to get at. But, but you know, Jesus doesn't mince any words here in this sermon. He, he says um, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Not where your heart is, there your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, that thing that, that you desire, that thing that you strive after, that you think brings happiness and success, however you might define that, that will be the focus of your heart. And just if there's some confusion, and he, he, talk, he, he, he puts this uh, thing in there about a good eye and evil eye that kind of makes us scratch our head, like, what is he talking about? But at the end, he says again, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both wealth and God. And again, I think this example of the eye is he is saying if, if the desire of our eye, if the desire of our hearts and our minds is something good, then that which is in us uh, will be good. But if the desire of our eye is envy and greed and status, then it will create darkness within our whole being. I don't think in the Western world that we necessarily believe that. I think often in the Western church, we have convinced ourselves that we can serve God and we can serve wealth. We can serve God and we can serve the American dream. We can strive after God and we can strive after the American dream and all is well. Don't we? Don't we convince ourselves that we can have it both ways? And Jesus says, no, you can't. Now, I don't know about you. I learned the truth of that the hard way. When I was a teenager... Um, I was a part of the youth group, and I, I, I loved God, and, and I wanted to, to please God. I wanted to do God's ways, and, and then it got time for me to graduate from high school. Time for me to become a big boy and enter into the world. And my thoughts began to be, so, um, let's see, where can I make sure I get a job? What career can I ensure I get a job? What career can I ensure that I make pretty good money? Um, you know, um, I don't, a teacher at $10,000 a year, no, no, the game of life has told me I need to be something where I can get fifty dollars or $60,000 a year. And so, in thinking about a career... I didn't even ask myself, you know, how has God gifted me and shaped me? How has God formed me and created me that my gifts um, can be used uh, to God's glory? That really wasn't my mindset. And then I took one of these tests in engineering, you know, because I liked math, I liked science, I thought maybe I'll do engineering. I took one of these tests, and, and it said, you'll never make it as an engineer. And so I said, I love a challenge. Oh yeah? I'm going to engineering school anyway. I mean, 
That's how I chose a career. Those of you who are closer, don't, don't choose a career that way, okay? <laughs> Do it a little bit better than I did, if you would, okay? Um, and, and if you're not convinced of that, come talk to me when you get closer to that time, and I'll tell you a better way to, to choose a career. How's that? And so, you know, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Um, and, and, and before long, you know, three or four years down the road, um, I had become so disconnected from a body of Christ, I didn't worship at all, much less Christmas and Easter. I'd come so disconnected from God, but I still believed in God. I knew that God loved me. But you see, I was chasing the American dream. I graduated from college, went to get a master's degree. Um, somewhere along there, I met somebody and married them. Oh, it was Deb, don't worry. <laughs> um, we had kids, we both had careers, we're living in Chicago. Life is good. By standards of the American dream, we had all you need. We had two kids. We didn't have, we had cats too. Yeah, we had animals. We had pets. We had two kids. We had pets. We had a two-car garage. Had, had a house, had a house bigger than my parents were living in after, what, 40 years of working. I mean, our first house was bigger than the house they were living in at the time. Both of us were working. We were uh, um, had good jobs, were being promoted, well thought of. Life was wonderful. Not really. The American dream, it was empty. It was empty. The happiness and the contentment and the desires that I, they were not there. All that was there was more anxiety. I think that's what Jesus is saying in this. He, he says, You see, if you seek after those things and you think they're going to bring you happiness and contentment, what you discover is that when you seek after the wrong things, all they do is create more anxiety. Because you know, if we think money and wealth is the most important thing and we chase after wealth, you know what? I have never seen somebody whose sole focus is wealth who says, I got enough. Now, I'm not saying I haven't seen wealthy people that don't say they have enough, but the wealthy people who say that aren't seeking after money for money's sake. Do you hear me? There's a difference. But what I found is that seeking after the American dream instead of seeking after God created more emptiness and more anxiety. And it certainly didn't deliver the happiness and contentment that I so longed for. I don't want anybody else to have to learn that the hard way. 
I had read these words. Sermon on the Mount. That's just for the super Christian. Jesus didn't really mean it for the rest of us. But he did. And he didn't share the Sermon on the Mount just as a way to say, I'm going to make it as hard as I can for you to follow me. He shared the Sermon on the Mount because he wanted us to know the best way to live life here and now. He wanted us to know that the promises of this upside-down world are empty. That they can't deliver on what they promise. And the only one who can deliver on that promise, as part of what Kobe shared with you last week, the only one that can deliver on the promise and give us rewards that are lasting is our Father, our God in heaven, not other people and not the American dream and not this way of life. Jesus invites us to play the game of life a little strangely. Can you imagine getting out the board of the game of life and you are the lawyer? Yes! And every payday you get $60,000. And you say, oh, here's 10 for you. And here's 10 for you. Whoa! Jesus challenges us to live life in a way that whoever wrote the rules of the game of life would say, that's foolishness. God invites us to live life in a way that we can experience true happiness and true contentment. And I think what he says is, you know what? We're put together in such a way that we, don't, we can't even experience wholeness and contentment until we learn to live generously. That seems so bizarre because the world says, no, 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 learn to accumulate enough for you. And then if you've got anything left over, you can give it. Use your resources to make sure you get ahead. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And seek God's justice and righteousness. Seek God's way. This is Jesus' way of saying... Hunger and thirst after righteousness, not after what the world says is the way to success. Hunger and thirst after God's righteousness, after God's justice. Hunger and thirst for God's way and God's love to be made known in the world in real and tangible ways. Hunger and thirst after it in such a way that you live life differently. You live life in a way that shares that love 
and that grace, and yes, our very resources with other people so that they might be blessed. And God says, Jesus says, trust me. And again, I don't think he's saying, trust me, stay at home and watch the chiefs all the time and all will be well. He says, trust me. This is the best way to live life. It's not according to the rules of the game of life or the game of monopoly or the game of the American dream. But it's a way that delivers. It's a way that delivers. And when we learn that, I don't know how we can enter into worship and not be louder than everybody in the chief stadium today, even if we're only one thousandth of what they are. Because when we have learned that, we have the great pearl and we have much to celebrate. And I don't know about you, but I want everyone else to experience it. I don't want them to experience the disillusionment that I discovered when I attempted to worship God and the American dream. Seek the kingdom of God first. Hunger and thirst after His righteousness and His ways. Trust in the Lord and live according to His right-side-up way of living instead of our upside-down way of living so that we might flourish and so the whole world might be more likely to flourish. How are you playing the game of life? What rules are we following as we play the game of life, as we live life together? I invite you, as we uh, begin to prepare ourselves communion, that we ask ourselves that this day. And as we come forward to partake, to commune with God, I hope we will come forward with no desire greater than experience that communion and living in communion with God each and every moment. That's where contentment and happiness and success are found. Amen?